All right. The Rams are up 10 at the half, but still more of a game than last Thursday at this time when I went live with Joey Isaacs and the Raiders were up 42 nothing on the Chargers at the half. Hopefully a sign of more exciting things to come in week 16 across the NFL. And here to dive into the week 16 slate, among other pertinent betting topics, professional better Porter. We're really going to put the props and props and hops tonight. I feel confident in that. <laughs> On the platform formerly known as Twitter, you can follow him if you're not doing so already at MLBK's Psychic. And don't be fooled by that handle. Porter's expertise extends well beyond baseball, including the NFL, among other sports that we will probably get to over the course of this conversation. Porter, great to see you again. Welcome back to Props and Hops. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate the opportunity to talk here. Yeah, that's Always funny, appreciate that's- the opportunity to have you on. Yeah, that's funny that MLBK is psychic. That was my pre-gambling Twitter days when I understood how things how things work on there. <laughs> too late, too late now to change it. Yeah, I think uh, you and me both, when setting up our initial handles, might want to redo in that department. But you're doing just fine with the current handle, so we will hit the ground running here. Want to call out the audience? Thank you for joining us live. To those of you who have elected to do so on YouTube and on Twitter. Feel free to jump in the chat with any thoughts or questions, and we will weave those into the conversation when possible this evening. Porter, this is not your first time on the show, but it is our first Props and Hops discussion that's going to be focused on football, at least in the beginning. So for starters, I'd love to just open it up with a general question on how you describe your NFL betting approach. Yeah, so I'd say in general, you want to start what I call early, early, early. So if you're trying to get sides and totals in, you can probably get enough volume early on the week. So if you have a model and you're a model-based guy, I'd I, I come in real early and hit those openers. You know, those those lines in general tend to be softer. And early doesn't just mean for sides and totals. Early means every category. So, you know, then quarters opens up, halves, you know, game props, and then, of course, player props. And all that stuff kind of leaks throughout the, the week. It doesn't just, you know, magically pop up. So you kind of need to be, you know, active and paying attention and figuring out how to know when these lines are coming and opening. And a little bit of difficulty with that is it's not the exact same, you know, every week. So you really got to be active out there and paying attention to when stuff's opening. And then I'd say in the second half, the exact opposite, right at the end, um, especially in smaller markets like props, you want to be coming in really late because I know most of you have been told otherwise, but you know, casuals are moving the prop market, especially on the stars, especially a few minutes before game time. So if you have, you know, the wherewithal to start seeing these lines moving five, six yards, seven yards, you know, crazy stuff, 40 cents, and just out of nowhere, most of the time when it's really close to game time, that's a a bunch of like casuals pushing it one way, you know, a tout maybe releases something. So I'd say there's a lot of value at the both extreme ends. One at the beginning, if you're a modeler, and two, kind of in the back end, if you understand how the market is moving and, you know, adjusting to what you're seeing happening out there. I mean, you could see a line go from under 70 and a half minus 130 to under 70 and a half plus 140 and like the snap of a finger. That's not every line. That's, you know, you got to search and look. But usually when you see that stuff and there's no news, that, that's some casuals pushing, it, pushing the market a lot. And even if you don't like that play, when you start seeing those kind of movements, there's probably some value there. 
All right. Well, on the note of finding value early in a betting cycle or late in a betting cycle, it feels awfully ironic to be having you on smack in the middle of this week's betting cycle on Thursday evening. But we'll see what we can do nevertheless when it comes to finding value on the NFL Week 16 card. Porter, let's kick it off by talking sides. As the market currently stands, is there a side that you would care to share where you are seeing value in Week 16 across the NFL? Yeah, so generally, if you're looking in the middle of the week, that's when you got to start doing more what you know people call big brain plays and trying to really understand how the teams are breaking down, why the line is moving a certain way. And I do feel like um, there's some minus 12s out there for the Bills this week. And I know the line started at, I think, 10.5 or 11. But a lot of times, these books, especially in these kind of like do-or-die crunch spots, they, they, they post some, I would say, some lines that they're just it is soft even in the middle of the week look don't go putting in 20 units on a play but I do think Bill's minus 12 is good out there and I think most likely we'll see a little bit later in the week that line getting pushed back half a half a point um usually it tends to work out that way and I, I, I still think I like the bills there minus 12. And is there anything at all from a handicapping standpoint or is this you with your skill set related to market reading just understanding where this number could be headed with 12 kind of being in no man's land but if it gets closer to 13 once again then that's where there might be a bit of key number involvement yeah so so i actually love the the idea you know of betting these lines in no man's land they kind of let you take especially if you're taking stabs at this part of the week they kind of let you take a position on a play where in all honesty you're either gonna be really wrong or really right and you don't have those kind of opportunities, you know, when the lines are, you know, you know, key numbers, minus two and a half, moving to three, moving to three and a half. You know, those are those are usually the lines are usually tight in those in those spots. And I would also say in the middle of the week, if you start seeing like plus sevens and plus threes going one way or the other. And again, this is just about knowing when where your information comes from. Um I don't think it's the end of the world to bet opposite of how the market moves. So like a big name releases plus seven and you see the line now minus six and a half. It's kind of improbable that that person really is beating out individually, beating out the whole market and, you know, is more knowledgeable. So those kind of spots where the number moves off a key number, those are kind of spots in the middle of the week that you might want to take a look at. And speaking of looking at key numbers in the middle of the week, I'll run a side by you here as well. I'm looking at Minnesota plus three hosting Detroit. And for this one, not going to claim any kind of bottom up handicapping on my ends. I look at this as a bet where it's curation as my form of creation. I see some strong consensus with this bet among bettors whose opinions I've come to highly respect over the years. And I really find value in this type of alignment when it's people arriving at a similar outcome through different approaches. So on the Vikings, I've heard good takes from Suma, Hitman, and Rob on the Forward Progress show on Wednesday this week. The Vikings at plus three were Suma's best bet. Also Payne on the Bet the Board podcast. Now, from a pricing standpoint, you talked about navigating key numbers. Numbers being thrown out have been anything from Vikings plus three and a half at minus 120 to a flat plus three. And I would say the consensus line right now is a good price cutoff that flat minus three, excuse me, flat plus three at minus 110 big for the Vikings in this matchup. A few quick handicapping highlights. When the Lions have the ball from a passing standpoint, it's been widely noted that Jared Goff struggles against cover two defenses and the Vikings run the most cover two in the NFL from a pass rush standpoint. Goff also struggles when he's not facing the standard four man pass rush. The Vikings have the highest rates in the league of blitzing as well as only sending three 
So if the Lions look to work around those weaknesses for Goff from a rushing standpoint, Minnesota's defense, fifth in the league in yards per carry allowed, third in the league in explosive run rate allowed. If we want to turn the tables and look at the Vikings on offense here, Nick Mullins, not going to say he's an inspiring quarterback for a bet like this, but I think that we've seen over the course of his career, he can be capable under strong coaching with a strong supporting cast. I think that Kevin O'Connell and Justin Jefferson can fit that mold. Also looking at the emergence of Ty Chandler last week, maybe that continues in this matchup against the Lions. Now for Mullins, the fatal flaw last week was turnovers. He had an interception thrown at the one yard line, an all-timer of an interception to BJ Hill that some might struggle to forget anytime soon. And I feel like any positive regression in the turnover department can be a big factor here as the Vikings look to exploit a porous Lions defense. Porter, I'll wrap it up there. Any thought on this line, Minnesota plus three hosting the Lions? Yeah, look, so those lines, the plus three, in those spots, there will be moments if you have enough options out there to get this number most likely at two and a half or three and a half at some point. So I like this side of the bet. I just think there needs to be a little bit more harmony between like the analysis and the methodology of the betting. So like everything you said sounds good to me, but on top of that, if we can add like understanding how markets move and you know what, if you think the market's going to move the other way, then you, you, you need to grab the number now, you know, right away. So well, in general, this separate skill set of seeing how markets move combined with, you know, great analysis like that, you know, it, that's kind of like what the harmony of like betting to make money is. I'm glad you brought that up because one thing I, I meant to address as well. So Circa and Bookmaker both are down to minus 120 for those plus threes. The line's basically a three-point favorite at even money. When we see market makers like that shaded in one direction, that's usually a sign that if you do like the Viking side, the ship has probably sailed on three and a half. So with three at a flat minus 110 being the consensus line, I think it's more likely than not that the consensus follows suit with what we're already seeing at books like Circa, Bookmaker, Slash Chris. Does that check out in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's how this this game works once you, you just explain the other components. So while everything sounds really good about the analysis, then you have a really strong explanation of what the market is thinking too. And when you put those two together, that's winning formula for sports betting. All right. Well, hopefully we've got some winning formula in store between Buffalo minus 12, as Porter has shared, and then my look at the Vikings plus three. And we'll also look to offer some value when it comes to the teaser market this week. Porter, I usually kick off this segment with looking at fits along the lines of the classic advantage teaser model crossing through those key numbers of three and seven. Right now, it looks like there are three teams that could possibly fit that mold. Pittsburgh up to plus eight and a half hosting Cincinnati on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Indy plus eight and a half at Atlanta and Houston plus eight and a half hosting Cleveland. I have some thoughts about those lines and why they might not fit the model as well as some might expect at first glance. But first, I'll kick it over to you. Any thoughts on those or any other potential teaser legs on the week 16 slate? So magically, the three legs that I'm going to recommend are those three legs. At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. no matter what kind of analysis you put through, um, uh, I forget if Gary, Gary, Mr. Wong um, did enough math. Stanford Wong. Stanford Wong. Did enough math where if you're getting minus 110 or, you know, three legs, minus 180s, minus 190s, you, you will turn a profit doing this. And Should that be a goal, plus number on the three team teasers? Yeah, plus 180. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and people will say that's outrageous. There's no way the plus 180 exists. I, I, just, I just beg to ask the audience that's listening, how much 
in all honesty, effort have you put into handicapping versus like the work of getting places where it's plus 180? Wouldn't you think it would be way easier in the long run to network and find a couple more places that have favorable advantages like that than sitting and grinding, you know, whatever you're doing in Python or R or, you know, anecdotally, it's like, it's like, I think the public needs a little switch, like a light bulb that just kind of somebody out there that just kind of convinces them that most of this stuff has been sort of solved. It's not, there's no rocket science going on here in sports betting, you know, an engineer out of uh, MIT or CIT, wherever, after five months, six months of, you know, working on their model, they're going to catch up pretty quick to professional sports bettors. I, I know people are like, oh, there's no way, but yeah, 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 way that that's that's how this works at the end of the day. Now, I'm not saying, and and then that's the, the next question is you need to do something different in your handicapping if you don't have access to you know two game minus one tens or three game plus one eighties. And then you're right. Then you really got to put in a ton of work into figuring out you know what games you're interested in betting that week. Even when it comes to teasers, um, it is possible to win. You know teasing through unconventional lines but are you looking for it's possible to win or an efficient process of winning at sports betting and those are just two different you know components so on my end over here my three picks are Steelers plus eight and a half Colts plus eight and a half Texans plus eight and a half and with regard to that plus 180 price point I hear you that that's out there and I know that for a lot of people without some heavy duty work on the back end it's going to be tough to find I've heard a lot of people who talk about this type of bet say that you want at least plus 160 or better yes. so I know there's a bit of tension between getting the best possible number like a plus 180 or maybe even a plus 190 versus not selling yourself short if you can't get the best of the number but there is still something bettable maybe less of an edge but if we say plus 160 or better does that drive with you in terms of this bet still offering at least some positive expected value yes so that's kind of a question of what you need to do for your clientele i mean partners to stay competitive in the industry and individual betting so in individual betting you're not really beholden to anyone else but when you're betting in partnerships it's really important to succeed for them in a way where they're not looking to go somewhere else. So yeah, when you're betting individually, I'm all for taking a lot more small edges, you know, when it's not really, oh, you're winning, you know, 2% ROI, get out of here. 2% ROI is 2% ROI, you know? So yeah, when you find a plus 160, there's still going to be edges, for example, on these three games. All right, so... I hear you there. And this is going to be interesting because I, I kind of turned the tables a bit with my standard process of elimination when I'm trying to filter through teaser options in a given week. All three of these teams, there's a common thread where the favorites are shaded toward three if they're not there already at certain books that tend to be market leading indicators. And when I'm looking at that extra vig on the two and a half point favorites, it kind of dilutes the value of crossing through the three with the underdog. So trying to think a little bit outside the box here without totally abandoning the discipline, the efficient processes that you spoke to, but I'm looking at a three team 10 point teaser, maybe going head to head with you, but not so much if we look at the numbers and the pricing involved. So I'm looking at Cincinnati plus seven and a half at Pittsburgh, Atlanta plus seven and a, seven and a half hosting Indy, and then Cleveland plus seven and a half at Houston. 
And a hat tip here to Las Vegas, Chris. He shared a lot of strategic insights on creative use of teasers where you can be breaking some conventional rules. But as long as you know what you're doing, and that's a key distinction here, it doesn't mean that these rules can never be broken. So teasing through zero heroes, some short favorites. I like to think it's not necessarily a minus EV play if you can get the right price point for this type of bet. And again, just like I was kind of swayed away from the underdogs given the way these lines are shaded with all three favorites currently shaded toward the three this 10 point teaser neutralizes a lot of that big so it's almost like getting 10 and a half points for the price of 10 plus crossing three and seven going the other way getting these teams at nice plus numbers one thing i'll note porter before i get your thoughts on this bet i do want to once again stress the importance of knowing the pricing and the house rules involved with a bet like this for this 10 point three-team teaser, consider it good at minus 130 or better. I think some spots you can still find minus 120s if you're willing to put in the legwork. And then when it comes to house rules, all three of these favorites, again, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Browns, up to plus seven and a half. We're not working with any integers here for the math geeks in the crowd, so this won't be an issue. But some books, when you are betting a teaser leg that ends in a whole number, a push on any of those three legs would mean the whole bet loses. At other books, a push in any of the three legs means the whole bet is a push. So read the rules, try to play at better friendly operators where a push won't sink the entire bet. Porter, I also think of your thoughts on the Bills minus 12. That's also a fit taking a team like Buffalo down to minus two. You are crossing seven and three, so it doesn't just have to be the standard six point teaser to do just that. Any thoughts on us possibly going head-to-head here between your teaser and mine, or maybe also interest in the Bills in a 10-point teaser if somebody's looking that route? So we're, we're actually not going head-to-head. I know that's crazy for the audience to hear that, but it's possible to be on two different sides of the same bet and both sides to be plus EV when the line moves, when the rules move, when the rules are favorable, when, you know. So I know that's a crazy concept, but the idea of just stringing together plus EV plays Overall, even if it seems like they're against each other, if they're actually in the long run plus EV, it, it's not true. That we're not necessarily against each other. It might be that in this scenario that ten, you know, that ten point crossing the key numbers, you know, with house favorable vigs might actually be plus EV, and my play might be plus EV. So I know that sounds completely crazy to be on two opposite sides, theoretically of a play. It, it's not true. We're not actually on opposite sides of a play. And one I think more that's question. a concept. I, th- uh, what's, I think that's mm-hmm. a concept that's really important for people to understand that when lines move, rules move, you know, you're doing different things. It's each bet is unique. It's it is possible to have you know be on the over and be on the under and not be arbing or hedging. This is assuming the line has moved somewhat or some rules change, and you're not arbing or hedging. You're betting two positive EV sides. And when it comes to trying to find multiple positive EV sides in the same matchup like this, I I guess one wrinkle that led me to look toward the 10-point teaser for the short favorites was the way that the VIG is shaded toward the three. When you're crossing through the three and seven with an underdog, how much do you factor that into the process? Or am I just splitting hairs by looking at the VIG with that much intensity? No, 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 you're not. If enough of the sharper books are doing this, it's important. It's not that valuable if one of the three you know, Penny, Bookmaker, Chris are doing this. But if you, a bunch of them are doing this, they're, they're, they're telling you something. It's, um, it's, I don't call it, so I'm not a religious person, but it's like a joke. Like, you know, the Bible code, the, the board, there's a code in there and you just have to over time learn how to read it. So it's like, it tells you one thing, 
And if you understand how to read it, the answers are there. All right, wise words to wrap up this week's edition of Teaser Talk. Porter, while we're talking NFL Week 16, I'd be remiss not to also bring up props while having you on the show. So whether you want to speak to your NFL prop betting process in general or anything specific that you're eyeing on the Week 16 card, I will turn it back over to you on that topic. Yeah, so coming into this back half of the season, I I do think the props have begun to get a little bit sharper. So part of the process that I look for uh, you know, besides betting early, is starting to see when the market moves really aggressively on a lot of tout plays. And you can go through there and, first of all, you can bet a lot bigger. I, I, you know, a lot of people have liquidity problems where they can't get down. But if you have someone out there that's pushing a line in the opposite direction, those are your most important opportunities of the season if you're having issues getting down because you're really going to be able to bet a lot. So for this week, I noticed that uh, Josh Allen has moved, I think, 12 or 13 yards. Uh, I looked at this a couple hours ago. I hope it's still there. But I think Josh Allen under 248.5 minus 110. Maybe it's 246 now on the Bills. You know, speaking of the Bills game, where if the Bills come out to a big lead, he's he's not going to play a lot of time in the in the fourth quarter. Now, it depends on the size of the lead. But, you know, I'm already on the Bills, you know, being pretty big favorites and running it up at the beginning, where I think there's some leeway for him not to be throwing too much in the fourth especially with you know if they are going to make a playoff run they 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 can't have this guy running up the middle getting smashed over and over you know doing his josh allen things so i I look for them to protect him a little bit especially if they're they're up in the fourth and that all right also moved a ton yeah well Uh, speaking uh, of marrying the handicap with the bet i am also looking at a josh allen under and i am looking at his rushing yards for reasons that you touched on first i will note you talked about the the number it's moved for passing 248 and a half appears to be gone but i am seeing a good bit of 246 and a half so i think that's a a fair number to to grade this one as the market currently stands from a rushing yard standpoint also some volatility based on market that we market movement we've seen over the course of the week consensus appears to be 27 and a half rush yards. So I'll go with Josh Allen under 27 and a half, but shop around. I am seeing a flat 31 and a half out there. So there are some discrepancies. Again, if you're just willing to do a little bit of extra legwork to pick up a lot of extra value. In addition to some alignment with the handicap you outlined for the passing yardage prop, I'll give a hat tips to Steve Fezzik, who mentioned the rushing yard specifically on the dream preview this week. My overall takeaway here is that with the Bills being a double-digit favorite, this could be a big reprieve for them. If they show up and, and do what they should in the early stages of this game against the Chargers, a nice chance to come up for air during a crucial stretch in their schedule. The last three weeks at the Chiefs, at the Eagles, hosting the Cowboys, we're talking about really high-leverage games against marquee opponents. And thinking about this prop for Allen, he's often lined in the low to mid-30s, so this number has been adjusted down. Therefore, this isn't a massive bet for me but I'm not sure that the number has been adjusted down enough quite yet. And one more subtle edge when I'm looking at a double-digit favorite, a quarterback's rushing yardage total, kneel down count. So if the Bills are running out the clock at the end of the game, to your point, if they've got a big lead, maybe it's not going to be Allen under center, but whether it's something at the end of the first half or at the end of the game, if Josh Allen takes a kneel down or perhaps a few kneel downs, that could come into play. The poster child for this angle would, of course, be Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl against the 49ers a few years ago. That was also to milk the clock, so we usually don't see drastic swings, but even a few yards of kneel downs could make all the difference. (laughs) Yeah, I I somehow stumbled into a middle there. That was one of the highlights of my betting life, so not going to expect that to come back into play here, but uh, another small nudge if somebody's looking at Josh Allen rushing yards 
under Porter. I know you talked about passing, but what do you think about Allen's rushing prospects this week? I love it. It uh, so the audience knows we didn't we didn't plan that before. <laughs> that yeah. just it just makes a lot of sense. You know, sometimes it's that simple where it really just it's it's yeah that makes sense. You know, they're going to protect them. They're not going to especially if they're just it's just dangerous. Look, they need to make a run at the end. It's not enough to win one game. So. I think that they're going to protect him this game. And part of protecting is not letting him try to run wild. All right. Well, fingers crossed by way of seemingly fading Josh Allen, it's really looking to back the bills to win by a healthy margin. So it's nice to see some alignment there. I'll take a brief pause from our prop heading talk to remind the audience at this time I do in the show every week that I am partnering with the team over at right angle sports in an affiliate capacity this year. I think they've got something for everyone, not just the NFL, but college basketball where they've got a really strong track record for success to college bus, uh, Geez, college basketball is their track record of success. College football is where they've got the bowl service now available. If you're interested in trying this out, no obligation whatsoever, but you can support Props and Hops by supporting the team over at Red Angle Sports. I've built a custom link you can check out to do just that, tinyurl.com slash picks. All right, Porter, I'll run down a rapid-fire run-through of our picks, the Props and Hops Week 16 portfolio, and then we can continue the conversation with some process-driven speaking points. But looking at our picks this week, Porter is on Buffalo minus 12 at the Chargers. I am on Minnesota plus three hosting Detroit when we're talking sides. If we want to talk teasers, Porter, a three-team, six-point teaser. Look for at least plus 160, if not better, from a price standpoint. Pittsburgh plus eight and a half hosting Cincinnati on Saturday, Indianapolis plus eight and a half at Atlanta, and then Houston plus eight and a half hosting Cleveland. Not necessarily going head to head, but I am looking at the other teams in each of those three games via a three team 10 point teaser. You want to find minus 130 or better on this bet. Cincinnati plus seven and a half at Pittsburgh, Atlanta plus seven and a half hosting Indy and Cleveland plus seven and a half at Houston. When we talk props, both of us on Josh Allen unders Porter looking at Allen under 246 and a half pass yards Saturday at the chargers. And I am on Allen under 27 and a half rushing yards. Once again, shop around and you can probably get some even better numbers on both those passing and rushing totals for Josh Allen Porter at this point would love to dig into some process with you. I appreciate all the insight you've already brought to the picks part of this conversation. And, and I think plenty of evergreen process insights from that part of the conversation alone, but when it comes to moving beyond picks and having you on the show for a conversation like this, I know you do so much and props across so many sports. Is it too broad of a question just to ask for some of your top tips for betters who are aspiring to become sharp and the prop market specifically? Yeah. So, you know, the number, the number one thing, and I know it's, it's hard to deliver this to the audience that's listening. I feel like sharp people, aspiring sharps are about to plug their ears and not want to list, listen, but I promise you, I've been in this industry for 2016. So, you know, seven, seven, over seven years or near seven years. I promise the audience that the work that you're putting in most likely into winning at the props is disproportionate to the work that you're putting into figuring out how to get better lines. The skill set required for both, I know, isn't the same. So sometimes you got to branch out and work with other people who can help fulfill you. But I really like to deliver a different message than what most of the people on these podcasts are sitting out there. And they're telling you, you know, sit with R, sit with Python, code, figure out the lines. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. 
I'm just saying, you know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell has a book about you need to put 10,000 hours into being an expert at anything. If you're out here and you've put in 10,000 hours into handicapping or, or 1,000 hours into handicapping and modeling and two hours into trying to figure out how to get more accounts, how to bet better lines, how to bet softer markets, you're, you're doing it wrong if, if your goal is to make money. Now, if your goal is, you know, you want to, it's a research project and there's a lot of people like this, you know, and a lot of engineers backgrounds they're, they're they do love the process of figuring out how to model, how to figure out what lines are good. And I'm just talking purely from a business perspective that if honestly, if I were to start again today, I would never have handicapped at all. I would have only been a mover and figured out. Now, if you have some experience in have some basic handicapping it's easier for you to figure out who's a winner and who's not i mean i i've i've never heard of someone who loses that sports betting in all honesty when they message me they just literally message me and everyone's a winner so there is some skill in figuring out who's actually winning and who's not because it certainly sounds like and you know the twitter board certainly seems like everybody's winning but you know the sports books will tell you otherwise when they release their end of the year stuff. So I really implore the audience that's listening, just think a little bit about a different component on how to win because there's a million podcasts and a million guys out there that are trying to tell you how to click winners. And I'm here telling you that the number one way to click winners is to have lots and lots of options. It's like a chef, you know, if he was cooking a ribeye, and he wasn't able to use butter or salt or rosemary or the side of potatoes was left on the side, it's going to be pretty hard to make a delicious meal. But if you have all the options available to you and you're not that great of a chef, it's going to be not that hard to make a great steak. So that's how the analogy I would use to like, I'm, I'm just, you know, somewhere out there, somebody's going to reach enough people that they're just, just going to snap. And people are going to realize that there's something else, some other element here, other than being great at handicap into turning a profit and sustainable profit, you know, and it, it depends on your goals. If it's money, it's a little bit to think about something different. I think two of the core takeaways I have from that answer would be networking and making the most of different accounts. So I guess if we can start when it comes to networking and just getting to know as many people as you can. It seems like you do a lot of outreach. I think in your Twitter bio, you talk about just like DMs open, always looking to grow, something along those lines. What tips do you have for people based on your own success or perhaps some challenges that you faced in your own journey trying to network as effectively as possible? What tips could you share with others who again might be up and coming in this space when it comes to the topic of networking? Yeah, so shockingly enough, I'm not a person who usually uses the word feel a lot but I can't tell you how many times I've had a gut feeling with a partner and immediately thought something's going to go wrong. But then the greed factor comes in and they're, you know, they're giving you a good account. You're winning on the account. It's really hard to turn off. So I would actually say if you have some type of bankroll, it's okay to take a lot of small shots when you reach out to people. So that means if a guy's giving you like a 1k account and he's telling you run it up 3k, win 500 bucks on that account for three weeks. Don't win okay the first week you guys settle on thursday and you've run up the account another 3k it's like these like if you just take these little small components and kind of clean up your process it, it it makes sense on how you know you get screwed a lot less i don't know if i'm allowed to say that on there you know a lot less often so it's just a lot of times where i, I want to say like people want like the formula and the recipe 
But really, it's sometimes it really is just that obvious where someone's delaying on you or telling you these wrong things that don't make sense to you. So at the end of the day, I would recommend and you know, when I first started, I, I didn't do this. I had one of my early kind of partners, you could say, he would always laugh at me. He's like, all right, you know, Porter, you don't take any risks. You know, you never take accounts. It's okay to get stiffed a couple hundred bucks if someone's going to make you tens of thousands down the line. So I would say the best strategy is keep it really small in your partnerships. When you reach out to people, make sure that you're settling all the time. You know, it's all these little things that are inconvenient that people are like, oh, I don't want to send on PayPal. It's too many transactions. No, I'm sorry. If you want to run this business right, and it's really good that this is the case, it's hard to do things right. All these little components that people don't want to do, that, that's actually the whole edge. That's why some businesses run better than others. I mean, who would have thought networking is an important skill? It's only important in 99% of other businesses, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not that crazy of a concept, but I would definitely say people should take shots and take small shots with people. Don't run things up, especially at the beginning. Build a rapport with, you know, your partner, you know, whoever you're reaching out to. You know, I take, I take chances. Maybe this is going to increase the DMs and people are going to scam me. But I do take chances on random guys on Twitter. I just have a small threshold for how big of a chance that. Is. And that's unique to each individual. There's no formula like X percentage of your bankroll run up. It's take some chances and make sure that they're extremely small. You're going to find over time. Again, this doesn't happen overnight. Over time, you know, and this, this doesn't just have to be Twitter. This works at, you know, if you're at a bar and a person's looking at his, you know, phone and you're in a non-DFS state and the guy looks up every three minutes from his phone, he, he's, he's betting. That, that's what he's doing. Go talk to him. It's not the end of the world. I know a lot of people are hiding behind their computer screens and don't, don't like, you know, poker games and all these things. And yeah, you're taking chances. Yeah, yeah you got to take chances to, to, to make things work in this business. I think a lot of what you just said there might dovetail nicely with how to look at what to do to maximize value of accounts as well. I think of the saying, I might've mentioned it last week with Joey Isaacs as well, but sometimes I think of the saying, pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. You talked about this, maybe one more cliche I'll throw out there, this being more of a marathon than a sprint when it comes to trying to start slow and grow organically over time. So Porter, with all that said, what's your point of view on not just accounts from a, a standpoint of getting as many as possible, but also how to maximize the value of as many accounts as you can over time? So two, there's two different answers to that. When you're just starting, it's true that you probably want to win slow over a long period of time in smaller markets. And, and the reason for that is you don't know how much you'll be able to extract out of an account. But if you go through that process, you're more likely to get to the 100% of what, you know, effectively you would have been able to pull. The question is how much time that takes. And when you're starting, you have a lot of time and you're not worried about, you know, maximizing opportunities. When you're more developed in this industry, I would say the process is reverse. Now you're way better off winning 70% of what you could win on this account in three weeks than 100% of what you could win on this account in three months. And truthfully, I know a lot of discussion about account preservation, but the synonym for that word, account preservation, when people use it, when you really break it down, I know you can round robin and disguise, but in reality, for most people, what account preservation means is losing. They're, they're synonyms. When you lose, you will get more leash. When you win, you will get less leash. So you just have to accept that that's part of this industry. 
And that's why I keep harping on the, it's not just all about handicapping if your goal is to succeed long-term in this industry. It's not just handicapping. And it's important that people think about it. Hey, I spent last week 30 hours on my model and 30 minutes reaching out to people trying to get, I mean, to me, that sounds pretty obvious that the, where the problem is, you know? And, and you know what? It's not for everyone. A lot of times you got to partner with somebody who's good at the betting or partner with someone who's good at the networking. It's, you know, different folks are good at different things. So if it's, you know, unnatural for you to do these things, you need to look for all the genius handicappers out there. You, you need to find guys that are helping you get this data down and this information down and these bets down this extreme focus on the handicapping. You know, I used to believe that if you were just you won, eventually you would just get the accounts. But in reality, a lot of people are winning. So there's something else that's important out here. When I say a lot of people, I mean, there's a couple groups out there that really could control a lot of the market. And I think a lot of casuals don't realize how few of these syndicates are actually taking all of the accounts. And to be honest, it is difficult to break into that but there are new people doing it year, you know, every year that are coming in here and succeeding. And I know people want those, this team's going to win and that team's going to lose, but this business is about picking pennies off the floor. And if you have tons of opportunities to pick those pennies, you're going to make a lot of them. I like that analogy. And one follow-up to that, I'll throw your way. I heard you talk about, I, I think a quote might be, if you win, you're going to get limited or maybe lose accounts when you were mentioning that basically a synonym for preserving accounts would be losing. And in recent weeks, I've been parts of conversations through another podcast I'm working on. I, I feel so honored to host a podcast called prime suspects with Joe Brennan jr. And Adam Bjorn and talk so much about betting from their side of the counter is they start a book that's known to have kind of the circa model, if you will, versus what a lot of the rec books are doing. And between Adam's point of view, from his experience on both sides of the counter over about three decades. And then also shipper ship the justice on Twitter. I think I'm getting that handle, right. Used to be yep. a trader at a rec book and is now doing a lot of betting on his own. If I'm following correctly, there was a lot of talk that really, even on the trader side, it's tough to profile somebody in any sort of uniform way. You could show the same account, the same data to five different traders and probably get five different answers on what that better's prospects are, what to do, if anything, about possibly limiting them. And what ultimately seemed to be one of the few points where there was consensus was that closing line value, even if a better is losing, could be a bigger indicator than whether they're winning. So when I heard you talk about, it, it almost sounded black and white of, if you're winning, you'll get limited. If you're losing, that's a synonym to preserve accounts. What about maybe some fringe cases, but if somebody's losing initially, but they're getting some strong CLV, does that enter your consciousness at all? Or do you really try to keep it simple for efficiencies in your own process to really just think, yeah, like whether it's winning or losing, focusing on that bottom line versus all the talk about CLV. What's that like oh, from your perspective? Oh, no, don't get me wrong. You'll get limited if you lose and you get CLV too. So there is that component to it. I, I'm, I was more speaking on the end of like, if you're already winning, um, in all honesty, like, I, I don't mind. I, I, I need CLV to win. I can't remember the last time I bet a prop, in all honesty, and didn't get CLV, or at least 99% of the time get CLV. So to me, that's kind of like a foregone conclusion. I don't believe that the market, especially early, is very efficient for props when you're getting CLV. But we'll, we'll see if uh, Adam and uh, 
you know, prime sports book, that, that model works out. I mean, luckily this is America. So the best uh, business model will probably come out on top. I'm not so sure that I disagree with the methodology of some of these sports books of we're not going to pay money to get good traders or we don't know what we're doing. So if somebody's winning and then if you pull up the CLV receipt, limit these guys, that might be, I, I don't run these companies. I don't know, but maybe they actually have consultants that have told them that this is how you will make the most for your shareholders. At the end of the day, these sports books, their only obligation is to their shore shareholders. So like, I know some people will say you can use the information I'm 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 not so sure that they're skilled enough or the people running these companies really understand how to do that. So but I think at the end of the day, this will settle out and play out and there will be big winners and big losers. And we've already seen some sports books, you know, shut down and the limiting model hasn't worked. And uh, for some books, and it's a question of, you know, you know, respect their marketing game. I, I think a lot of people are really quick to dismiss a lot of people and I'm not saying there's anything good, but I think like Vegas Dave is a great example. I feel like 99% of the people watching the show probably know his picks aren't so great, but you know what? He's really good at marketing and there's a lot of other good touts out there that might not be great at sports betting, but they're really good at engagement. And I have yet to see, I haven't been able to do it. I've yet to see someone who's on the sharp side really break out in that market and really make it where magically you know, they're big and people are like listening to their picks. And, and I'll tell you the problem with that is if you do become big enough and you actually are skilled, the lines just move. This, this, um, there's, I like to call it the send model where it's very difficult to send plays because if you have any skill and any size, you're moving the line. So why do I want to send a play to get the worst, you know, a worse line? I want to be able to get the most of the best line. So I think a lot of like the, the business component about it on both ends is still yet to play out, especially in America. Sports betting is still still new. It's I, I mean, I, I envision a lot of changes when you get a lot of these kids in college that are, you know, top end engineering guys and they're no longer embarrassed to tell their parents, hey, I work at Sport Radar or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, Prime or Circa. And it becomes less, you know, like unacceptable in america and you know that took time they had the same process happen in australia and london and eventually it kind of became culturally accepted i'm not sure that's great but it is what it is so much good insight there a bit more to unpack i guess one more loose thread in my mind and it could relate a bit to what you referenced with the sense model which by the way was mentioned on this week's episode of circles off and you did a great interview on circles off much earlier on in that show's journey but when you talk about that and then a few minutes previously you had also mentioned that about 99 percent of the time i think you said you get closing line value with props and it sounds like a lot of what you do is is reading the market more than just really handicapping so heavily. So to that end, help me reconcile how you get closing line value almost every single time when you're betting props. If you're not handicapping on your own, I know that these days so many books now will release props early in the week. And it feels like if you haven't done your handicapping and you're ready to jump immediately, that might feel like an uphill battle for some bettors. So how do you go about it as part of your process? No. So look, everybody's different. My process is we are, there is modeling going on and we are, we are betting early also. We're just betting all the time. It's a full-time job. There isn't this wake up at 9am, click a bunch of buttons and the day's over. No, no, the, the day it's, it's, a, it's a normal job. You, you, you work all day. Actually you work longer hours and shifts. So I have a couple employees and they take shifts, you know, and work over time. So 
I mean, one CLV in the prop market is nothing to brag about. If you just bet a couple thousand bucks, you're 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 gonna move and get CLV. And in general, unless there's news or injury, the market's just not gonna go against you because you're talking about. I'll tell you right now, most of the guys following these touts with two hundred fifty thousand followers, they're betting six dollars, seven dollars, twelve dollars. I believe the average bet in the United States, if I'm not mistaken, is eleven. That that might have changed, but that's what I saw recently. It just blew my mind away. So there's really just not that much volume in, but I would say in general today, the closing line of even in the prop market is relatively sharper than it was years ago. And there's a lot of good information out there, not necessarily uh, for winning at betting, but to help you win at betting, there's a ton of good information out there today, which just didn't exist, you know, pre gambling Twitter. The casual has gotten better. No, no question. Yeah, and, and we'll see how that continues as the U.S. market continues to mature. But Porter, before we wrap things up, we've covered a lot of good ground over the course of this conversation already. Two more pillars of the show to get to. First up, want to weave in the Molinsky Minute. And one thing I think of this time of year, David Molinsky was so well-rounded beyond everything he achieved as a better. And with this being the holiday season, a lot of obligations, or maybe not feeling like obligations, but a, a lot of time that people might be committing to family and friends. And I also know that for serious betters, this can be a time of the year with serious opportunity from the NFL to college football bowl season, the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and more. Porter, what's your point of view, especially during the holiday season, on balancing, let's say, expected value from a betting standpoint with expected value from a lifestyle standpoint? Right. So... In general, I like to like, like my office, it, it runs, but we'll take some breathers. We have a couple, enough employees where we space it out and we do bring it down a notch. But I would say for sports betters, the holidays are the week of NBA All-Star Week and the week of uh, NBA, sorry, NBA and MLB All-Star Week. Those are, those, are, those are the holidays if, you know, if you're not running a business. And I mean, look, a lot of companies don't shut down. Uh, there's no games on, I, I believe it's Christmas Eve, right? So, you know, we reduce there. We've got a few and NFL you, games. Yeah, there's a couple. Of, yeah, uh, two NFL That's games. Pretty full but, you know, on a Sunday. You know, so, you know so, uh, so it's important to find opportunities to let people take breaks. Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you're going to experience a lot a lot of burn through if you can't figure out those times. So I'm always shocked actually when I get a message from somebody that they're betting today and I look at the schedule and I'm like, but there's really only one NBA game or, or one NFL game. This was probably the day to take off. So I'd say we spent, we focus on optimizing our schedules more around the professional sports schedules. But again, during the holidays for sure, where you have a reduced amount of hours, Every, everybody's, you know, taking a little bit easier it's super important just you know if you're out there you know stressed and and can't focus you're not going to be very good at the betting part so it's important to balance that aspect of your life i mean luckily for me i've actively kind of shifted my role into a little bit less of the handicapping and more like the dealing with what's going on and i have a great team behind me that really helps out and i can't say enough good things about them without them it really wouldn't it really wouldn't work. <laughs> and to your point about the importance of knowing when it's time to take it easy, I think that's a natural transition into another pillar of the show, the hops. A lot of people, if they can 
back off the gas and unwind a little bit. Sometimes maybe that involves a drink in hand from time to time. So Porter, I will pose the same question to you that I posed to Joey Isaacs this time last week. Do you have any favorite seasonal releases or any general holiday drinking traditions? Or perhaps if it's not holidays on the more general world calendar across the sports betting calendar, if it is the high holidays of NBA All-Star Week or MLB <laughs> All-Star Week, any, any drinking traditions that you like to enjoy when you can break away from the betting boards for a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Beer, beer. It's the, it's the professional's uh, degenerate uh, drink. <laughs> now, I mean, last time I gave a very niche Japanese mm-hmm. light beer. This time I'm going to go with a little bit because, you know, it's the seats, you know, winter. You probably want to drink a darker beer. There's something called St. Bernard's Christmas Special. It's like, yes. um, it's a dark beer. I'm not a huge dark beer guy, but if there's any dark beer that I like and any time of the year that I'm going to drink a dark beer, that's the one that's around the holidays. It's kind of raisiny and plum, you know, like this dark, dark amber look. So it's not too dark, but, you know, for people who in general like lighter beers, for some reason that beer hits in a way that's not too, you know, when the people kind of just like the malt or too, too, I don't know, just hits right. Yeah, I think as somebody who has never had a cup of coffee, I love the smell of it, but the taste of coffee just doesn't do it for me. Sometimes darker beer can be a little bit roasty and tough to get down, but something it's maybe it's dark in appearance and has some of the more malt forward flavor than let's say an IPA. If it's not super roasty, a lot of those Belgian inspired beers really hit the sweet spot. So I appreciate that recommendation. And one other one I'll throw out there on the topic of dark beers, kind of the winter warmer, if you will. Sierra Nevada has a seasonal release called Narwhal. It's a stout, a great name as well. And I talk a lot about Sierra Nevada's Celebration Ale this time of year on an annual basis. And that is a fresh hop IPA, also darker in appearance, but people who listen to this regularly have heard me talk about Celebration. But Narwhal came back into my consciousness when I was talking with Greg Peterson recently after a recent appearance. And he told me that the way I feel about celebration is the way that he feels about Narwhal, where this time of year, a nice stout, it's widely available. Sierra Nevada is a brewery that's been around for decades, and I can really nerd out on hard to get beer on this show. And, and sometimes I, I don't mean to inspire any FOMO, but Sierra Nevada, widely distributed. If you're interested in anything dark to try, I think for what you brought to the table with a, a nice Belgian recommendation would be very approachable for most people. For those willing to maybe take a bit more of a chance, I would say Narwhal by Sierra Nevada, also worth putting on the radar. Nice. Sounds good. I'm going to have to yeah. try it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I will try to get my hand on that St. Bernard's Christmas ale as well, so we can maybe exchange tasting notes in the not-too-distant future. But for now, Porter, I think we can start to put a pin in things. One quick ask to the audience that's with us, for those of you on YouTube and Twitter, would really appreciate it if you could take a quick moment to like this video. For those of you checking this out in podcast form, if you could take five seconds to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would also be greatly appreciated. And however you're listening, last but not least, friendly reminder that you can support this show by supporting Right Angle Sports via my custom link, tinyurl.com slash raspicks. Porter, as we prep to sign off, I want to make sure everybody knows they can follow your work on Twitter at MLBK's Psychic. Can't wait to exchange our beer tasting notes. Can't wait to see how our bets do this weekend. But more than anything, really enjoyed having you back on the show. Thank you so much for the time and insight this evening. Definitely. Thank you very much for having me off. I enjoyed it. Likewise. And to those of you watching and listening, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you for your time. Enjoy week 16 in the NFL. 
Have a safe and Merry Christmas and best of luck with your bets this weekend.